Welcome to Real Life. Hi, I'm Jim Miller, and you're listening to the Real Life LA podcast, coming to you from multiple locations in the San Gabriel Valley of sunny Southern California. We're a church for everyone, and we exist to lead people to Jesus, a community of grace with a God-sized vision that reaches from generation to generation. As you hear today's message, we pray that God speaks specifically to you and opens your heart and inspires you to live each day with more joy, beauty, and wonder. Hey, Real Life Church, it's Pastor Jim. It's good to be with you again. God bless you. We are in the middle of a series now called Resolutions because it's the beginning of the year and it's the time in which a lot of people make New Year's resolutions. They plan goals. They decide who they want to be by Christmas of this year. And I've said, if you give me the next five weeks, well, actually now we're down to four. If you give me the first five weeks here, I'll give you five core disciplines of a Christian life that will help you to thrive in 2024. If you do these five things, you will never come to a day where you say, I'm bored with my faith. My faith is unfulfilling. I get no meaning out of my faith. Do these five things and you will thrive in 2024. You'll be like a tree planted by streams of water that remains green in the desert and bears fruit in every season. And uh, so that's what we're doing today. Before we dive in, hey, I wanted to say thank you to all of you who have uh, been so gracious and generous to the church in 2023. We concluded our annual budget in the black and we're able to, uh, we've completed most of the electrical project. We needed to rewire this, this old building that had some original wiring in the building uh, and we're gonna install lights in the chapel at the end of this month. So we've been able to accomplish that thanks to your Christmas giving. Uh, we appreciate you. I appreciate you. Thanks so much for making that happen. Uh, all right, let's dive into resolutions. Pray with me. Jesus, thank you that you know what the year to come holds for us. Thank you that you know uh, what we're going to go through. And all of it is in your hands. So teach us to go through it with faith, not with anger, not with anxiety, but with the confidence that we walk with Jesus. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. All right, I wanna read you a passage from Matthew chapter 18 at verse 19. It's this tiny little two verse passage and it's a bit of a mystery. It's a beautiful promise when you read it, but there's a couple questions that jump out at you right away. Here's how it goes. It's in the teachings of Jesus. This is God's word. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. Why two or three? I mean, certainly prayer set alone work. Jesus went and prayed by himself many times. And he tells people, don't pray so that people will see you in the mar marketplace. Go pray in your private corner by yourself so people don't see you and God will reward you. Certainly prayer by itself, prayer in solitude works. So why two or three? And what does it mean that Jesus is with us when there are two or three together? I mean, are we simply saying that he's comforting to us, that an awareness of him is comforting? Because having somebody with you actually changes your environment depending on who it is. If a police officer is with you, uh, you may know that you have protection, but you also know that you're going to be uh, held accountable, right? If a police officer is sitting next to you when you're driving your car, you're going to drive differently. 
Or if a venture capitalist is with you in an elevator, you, you better work on your, uh, your pitch really, really fast because a venture capitalist has the power to invest in your ideas and bring them to life. It depends on who's with you as to what that does. So when you say Jesus is with you when two or three are gathered, does that mean he's just there to comfort or is it something more? Well, um, I want to suggest to you that uh, in the five disciplines of the Christian life that we need to practice at all times in order to thrive, uh, last week we said one of them is worship. We should love God with all of our hearts. Our thankfulness to God should overflow in our everyday life and make us commit to a weekly habit of Sabbath keeping, of worship together as a community. The second one comes out of what Jesus says is the second most important commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Love God with all your heart, worship, and love your neighbor as yourself, which means live in community, live with others. Because where two or three are gathered in his name, Jesus is where they're with them. And I suspect that that means something more than comfort. I think when people gather together in Jesus' name, something supernatural transacts. Jesus in the mix changes the community itself. Now, make sure you realize human community around the world and throughout history is not exactly what you and I may have experienced. You and I, if we live in the United States of America, live in at least the residue of a Judeo-Christian culture. The fact that you're listening to a sermon online now probably means you're a step closer than just living in the residue of it. You probably have some commitments or some interests in Christian culture. But but you can't assume that people all over the world in different cultures throughout different eras of history have felt the same about how community works. People have treated community very differently. Uh, if you have this idea that it's, you know, the world is like, it's a small world and everybody just wants to be nice to each other in the end, that, that's not really true. That's not how it plays out. If you look at non-Christian contexts, you see very different manifestations of community. If you go back and read the writings of uh, the French philosopher Jean-Paul Sartre from the, the 20th century, he once uh, wrote a, a play describing what humanity is like together. The play is called No Exit. And in the play, three people wake up in an enclosed room with no exit. And it's a man and two women. And as the, the dialogue rolls along, you see that the man is in love with one of the women. But that woman turns out to be in love with the second woman and not the man. And the second woman turns out to be in love with the man who doesn't love her back. And at a profound climax in the play, the man declares, I know where we are. This is hell. And hell is other people. And that's how an atheist philosopher viewed human community. Hell is other people. Perhaps he thought it was funny. I think it's very sad. But in fact, community without Jesus is not the same as community with Jesus. Or I'll give you a more living example. There was a tribe living in Paraguay in uh, uh, the center of South America. And it's uh, it's spelled A-C-H-E. I don't know if it's pronounced Ache or Ache, but there's a, a tribe of people that was largely undisturbed by other surrounding cultures till about the 1960s. So they developed organically and had their own social norms and customs that they had developed. Never heard the Christian gospel before. So if you want to know what humanity without the gospel looks like, you could look at a, a tribe like this. And some of the practices that they had together as a tribe was that when... Uh, 
uh, a person got old enough that the tribe no longer felt like they were useful, one of the younger people from the tribe would sneak up behind them and murder them. And this wasn't an, a random incident or two. This was common practice. Pedophilia was practiced in the tribe. Uh, they, they would uh, kill a child who was born bald because they took that to be a bad sign in some way. There were all kinds of aberrant practices that we would say are evil or horrible, but developed organically without the influence of Judeo-Christian culture, without the gospel of Jesus. If, if your assumption is everybody at the heart of things is just nice and community all over the world is nice and everywhere you went, you find kind of the same thing that you're used to. You don't realize what you're used to. You and I have lived in a, a country saturated in churches and commitment to Jesus and little kids growing up being taught by their parents, love your neighbor as yourself and don't go around getting in fights. Don't hit back. You should treat people gracefully even when they wrong you. Uh, our culture is, is fertilized in that kind of ideology. And in parts of the world where they have not grown up with that, they view community very differently uh, than we do. Uh, in fact, I uh, just read uh, over the holidays, I read a book by a historian um, called uh, uh, Sapiens, and he talked about the development of the human species. It's not a good book, so I'm not recommending it. He's a, an atheist gay Jewish professor at the, history professor at the, uh, I believe, believe he's at Hebrew University in Jerusalem, and the book was first published in Hebrew. But he talks about the development of the human species, sort of an anthropological look at human beings. And he talks about human community and where it came from. And he says, part of the reason the human species is so much more sophisticated than other primates is that we developed language that's complex. A, a chimpanzee can give a shout of warning that there's a lion over there so the other chimpanzees can run away. But humans could say, hey, about a mile downstream on the north side of the bank, there's a lion. Do you think we should go hunt it or should we run away from it? Right? Com language developed in complex ways in the human species, which he said is why the human species dominates the rest of the world. And he says that kind of language developed specifically for the sake of survival, not survival from lions, survival from one another. He proposes the theory that human language developed specifically so that we could gossip about each other. So that, you know, you could say, hey, sister, about a mile downstream on the north side of this bank, there's a, there's a guy who's a complete player. Should we run away from him or go hunt him? Language developed specifically so we could talk about the things that we don't like about each other. Hell is other people. Well, this all jibes exactly with the biblical doctrine of sin. The biblical doctrine of sin, if you go back and read the first three chapters of Romans, it says humanity is absolutely fallen. Nobody does good, not one. We have absolutely fallen short of God's glory and God's grace and what God wants for us. It absolutely jibes with the biblical doctrine of sin. The biblical doctrine of sin is that our wills are broken so we make bad choices. Our minds are broken so we are not wise. And our community is broken because we do not love well. To remedy that, Jesus inserts himself incarnationally into our community. And when Jesus joins our community, our community mystically becomes something different.
I, I mean, I mean, truly, a Jesus-filled community is not the same thing as a community without Jesus. It's like when you make bread dough. Bread dough without yeast turns out flat. But bread dough with yeast rises because there's a different ingredient in the mix. Community without Jesus turns out flat. But community with Jesus rises because there's a different ingredients in the mix, different ingredient in the mix. Jesus says, wherever two or more are gathered in my name, I'm there with them. And when that happens, something mysterious, something supernatural happens. Something occurs that would not happen just because people were together otherwise. There's a, a, a type of characteristic that scientists and philosophers talk about called an emergent property. That is a property that emerges when things are combined that didn't exist in any of the one components. So for instance, if you think about water, water is made up of two hydrogen atoms and an oxygen atom, H2O. And if you look at the first hydrogen atom, if you could hold it there in your hand and look at it, you would see this is not wet. If you take the second hydrogen atom and you pick it up and look at it, you could say, this one is not wet either. Maybe the, all the wetness comes from the oxygen atom. And then you pick up the oxygen atom and you realize this one's not wet either. None of the individual atoms is wet. But when they combined, wetness emerges. Liquidity is a trait that emerges out of the combination. It doesn't exist in any of the other ones. Or think about it in terms of football. Uh, in a, on a team, there are properties that emerge in a good team that didn't exist in any of the one individual players. The, the synchronization of being able to, to understand each other and work together like a machine, like you were designed to be together. Watch when the, the 49ers and the, the Ravens square off at the Super Bowl in a month. That's my that's my prophecy. Uh, that's my prediction. In, in, uh, in a month. I'm probably dead wrong. I don't know what I'm talking about. But um, there, there are properties that emerge from a good team that don't exist in any of the players. That's an emergent property. Well, when followers of Jesus love God and one another, and there are two or three or more gathered in his name, there's, uh, there are properties that emerge from that combination that didn't exist in the individual units. Joy emerges, charity emerges, grace emerges, faith emerges. These are properties that don't necessarily exist in any of the one units, but they arise when they're combined. Because in a Christian community, Jesus is there with them, with us. And if you and I want to thrive in 2024, we need not just Jesus, but community with other followers of Jesus. Think about the story uh, back in the prophets where uh, three men refused to bow down and worship the king of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they're thrown into a fiery furnace to be incinerated because they refuse to worship the king. And when they're thrown in the fire, the king looks in the fire and he sees not three people standing in there, but four. There's a mysterious, supernatural fourth element in their community, and nobody knows who it is. But you and I know who it is, because you and I know the one who, when we invite him into our community, is able to help carry us through the fires of life, through the desert seasons of the year, and take us through 
unscathed, unburnt. There's a, a mysterious property that arises when Jesus is in our community with us, that we are able to walk through the fires. And here's what's going on. Uh, I read another book over the holidays. Some people had some spare time between Christmas and New Year's. I read another book over the holidays uh, by Eric Fromm, who's a famous uh, psychologist of the last century. He wrote a book called The Art of Loving. Um, okay book. And, uh, and he uh, describes uh, the modern conception of love. And he says, in the modern world, love so often fails to become deep because we go about looking for love by seeking to find an object of our love. We say to ourselves, there's somebody out there who, when I find them, they will love me and I will feel loved. Uh, I've got to find the right object to love and to, to love me. And that's what I need. And so often people go around unhappy because that is not a satisfying way to approach love. He says the, the correct way to approach love is not to look to an external object that it will satisfy me, but to look to developing the internal faculty of learning to love so that I bring the, the maturity of love to the relationship. When Jesus is in community with us, he's not, he's not geared towards helping me find an object that will, that will love me and make me feel satisfied. He's working towards developing the internal faculties within me that empower me to love the way that he loves. When he's in the community with me, I find my satisfaction not from an object out there that loves me, but from the God who made me and who loves me. And because I am satisfied by him, I'm more capable of giving love to the other, to the community. Ecclesiastes puts it this way. Uh, two people uh, walking together are better able to support one another than one walking alone because if somebody falls down, the other one can pick them up. Or it says, uh, imagine two cords in a rope that are wound together. The rope is stronger because there are two cords instead of one. Well, when Jesus is part of the community, there's a third cord wound through the rope that makes it stronger still. Christian community gives rise to properties that don't exist in community otherwise. Bread dough without yeast turns out flat. Bread dough with yeast rises. Community without Jesus turns out flat. Community with Jesus rises. So I want to suggest to you that you and I are going to need to navigate our way through 2024, and it's going to be a year of some fires. It's going to be a year of some desert. But you and I are going to thrive like trees planted by streams of water. We're going to stay green this year, which means we're not going to be infected with the anger and anxiety of the culture around us. We're going to live lives of love and grace, overflowing with the good things that Jesus gives us, knowing that we have more than enough. Let me read to you the description of early Christian community that's captured in the book of Acts chapter 2. This is what the early Christians did when two or more were gathered in the name of Jesus. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. 
And that community has changed the world. That community has changed history. When we live together in community with Jesus, we are empowered with things that do not exist in ordinary community. Here on uh, this Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, I am reminded of the fact that that Christian pastor, that follower of Jesus, brought brought about radical, world-changing transformation by seeking to create a, a community based on the vision of the kingdom of Jesus. Uh, a kingdom, a community in which racial boundaries cease to exist because we love in Jesus' name. And to do so nonviolently because Jesus preached peace. The, the community that you and I are called into is not the kind of community that exists elsewhere in the world. And a good study of history and anthropology will reveal how different Christian community is. With Jesus in the mix, something different arises. So I want to invite you into three different avenues of community this year. As we start 2024, here are three different ways to commit yourself to community. Number one, and this one's most important, we ought to be in a small group. If you don't have a small group, it might be time to seek one out. If you've never been in one before, they're great. A small group is a gathering of, you know, six, eight, 10, 12 people who get together in somebody's living room once a week or twice a month or so, and they read a Bible passage and they talk about it. Usually they have good food together. They talk about life and they pray for each other. And that is Christian community. That is two or three gathered in Jesus' name. And when we do that, supernatural traits emerge that weren't there before. If you've never done that before, send us a note at reallife.la. Go to the website. There's a groups page and you can sign up to be in one of our small groups. If you're here in the community, we'll pair you up with some other people and you can join a small group. If you live elsewhere in the country, because I know there are other people who tune in and listen, find a, a a Christian Bible study in your community, maybe through a local church and find a place where you can do life together with a small group of uh, other people. If you want to start one where you are, we print our Bible study curriculum on our website. Again, check out reallife.la. There, each week we post the, the text on which uh, I'm preaching and questions surrounding that text so you can get together with another group of people. Just print out that sheet and read the questions together, uh, and that can be your starting point. We're starting a new kind of group uh, here at Real Life this year, uh, and I'd like to invite you into that because some people I know are not sure what it would be like to sit around in a living room and talk about the Bible. So we're starting something new called community groups, which are groups gathered around an interest as a pathway into Christian community. So I think we're starting with four, uh, and I think we're going to show you a slide with it. Uh, there, there are four, uh, four kinds of uh, groups that we've got coming out. We've got a, uh, a skiing group, a hiking group, a book reading club, and a pickleball group. And if you want to get together with some other uh, Christians who uh, enjoy those, those uh, practices and hobbies, go to our Real Life page, sign up reallife.la slash groups and sign up to join one of our community groups. We're going to kick those off as a new way to do groups uh, together as a, um, as a community this year, as a church this year. Thirdly, if you haven't already done this, you can become a member of Real Life Church. And if you're a regular here around Real Life, you know we'll put out our membership covenants in the lobby every year because we re-up our membership every January here. If you want to continue to be a member of the church, you just have to sign, yes, I'm still committed to the, the covenant of the church. If you've never been through our new members class before, we are now doing that online. 
And so if you, uh, if you want to become a member of the church, you've never been through the class before, we have some videos that you're going to watch, some things you're going to fill out, and then you get to meet with a member of the staff and join the church. And so if you never become a, a member of the church before, that's a great way to say, this is my community. Real life is my church. I want to take an extra step and say, I'm going to belong here. This is going to be my home. This will be my family of faith. And if you've never done that before, this might be a good year to do that. All that said, what we're looking for in uh, 2024 is captured in the teaching of Jesus, where he was asked, what are the most important commandments? And he said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Worship every day. Make Sabbath keeping a part of your week. Commit yourself to a life of worship and live in Christian community. Live in a gathering of other, of other people who are committed to Jesus. If you do that, you will find out that hell is not other people. Hell is people without Jesus. I mean, literally, that's what hell is going to be. Other people who don't have Jesus. Heaven is Jesus and a community of other people who have believed in him in all times and places, gathered together for a kingdom of love and grace and worship for all times. That's my hope for you. And that's our second core practice of the year. Next week, we're going to do number three. So make sure you tune in. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you call us to yourself. And thank you that as we gather together in your name, wherever we are, you're there with us. Thank you that when you're a part of our community, our community is transformed into something different. Thank you that through you, our community rises. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. God bless you. Go be the church. Thanks for joining us today. Now, will you help us welcome others to real life? Share our podcast or find us on Facebook or Instagram at Real Life LA. If you'd like to become a supporter, please visit reallife.la and tap give to help us welcome everyone to real life. God bless and have a wonderful day.